0: In 2017, hundreds of thousands of Rohingya Muslims were driven from their homes in Myanmar. At the time, a UN official called this a, quote, textbook example of ethnic cleansing. And today, the government of Myanmar is being sued at the International Court of Justice for perpetrating a genocide. These attacks against the Rohingya are just the most recent and extreme example of sectarian violence and discrimination in Myanmar, which is an incredibly diverse country with a long history of ethnic conflict. So how does one stop this trend? How do you promote tolerance and pluralism in a place in which diversity has been used to fuel conflict? On the line with me today is someone who is doing just that. Ang Jia Mo is the founder and executive director of the Center for Social Integrity in Myanmar. This is an organization that provides both humanitarian relief, but also engages in peacebuilding and advocacy work. He is himself a Rohingya and has used humanitarian aid in parts of the country where Rohingya live to encourage cross-ethnic partnership. Aung-Jia Mo and his organization recently received a high honor, the Global Pluralism Award, which is conferred by the Government of Canada and the Aga Khan Foundation. And after listening to this episode, it will be clear why he won that award. We kick off discussing diversity in Myanmar before having a longer conversation about how diversity has been used as a wedge to ignite conflict, and how Aung is working to reverse that trend. And a note before we begin from Northwestern University's online master's program in global health. You can learn how to make a meaningful difference in places where it is needed the most, Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com and click on the ad to learn more, or go to sps.northwestern.edu slash global. And now here is my conversation with Ong Jia Mo, the founder and executive director of the Center for Social Integrity in Myanmar. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube.
1: Uh, Myanmar is indeed uh, a very diverse country. And just for those who does not know much Myanmar, it's a, a country that was under British colonial and got independence in 1948. And there has been a, a ethnically 142 officially uh, recognized ethnic groups, uh, and the government has revised to now 136. And uh, the, the country has the language, uh, spoken language, over 110 language across the country. Uh, and it's located between China and India very strategically.
0: So, so it's fair to say it is a profoundly ethnically, linguistically, and religiously diverse country. But also that those um, that diversity has not necessarily been a source of stability for the country.
1: True, uh, it's religiously ve- very diverse as well. And for example, the uh, capital of the pre- former capital of Yangon, which is the largest city in the country, Yangon, uh, is a uh, uh, full of like religious infrastructure that's uh, at the very corner of yangon like very centre of yangon uh, you can see uh, a buddhist uh, uh, temple side-by-side uh, side with a church and next to a mosque and next to a Hindu temple and next to a Sikh temple so it's it's uh, those are uh, Those infrastructure were built in 200 300 400 years ago uh, and and these shows that the country has been very much diverse from very um, you know, beginning of its its, its birth and uh, at the same time uh, it's also has got the longest civil war in the world, uh, uh, over seventy years, that people, uh, ethnic armed groups are fighting uh, for inequality, where you can see that diversity uh, is not taken as a source of a strength in the country.
0: So diversity is not considered a source of strength. Yeah. So, sure. so you know, of of many of these sort of. Uh, kind of like localized conflicts in which uh, various ethnic groups have taken up arms or low level, you know waged kind of low, like low level insurgencies against the government in order to secure greater rights for themselves. Like among all of these, it seems that the sort of most high profile in recent case was of course the, the conflict in Rakhine state uh, which led to, you know, essentially a genocide against the Rohingya people uh, who, you know, nearly a million of which fled over the border to Bangladesh. Um, can, can you talk a little bit about, in particular, the history of discrimination against the Rohingya in, in Myanmar? Uh, definitely.
1: I myself is a Rohingya, first and foremost, and I come from Rakhine State originally. And uh, Rohingya has been the pa- uh, history of Myanmar from the very beginning. Rohingya did not come to Myanmar, for those who does not understand. Myanmar came to Rohingya. So, Rohingya in, in bit, uh, onward from 1962 uh, has been systematically targeted uh, 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 with the discriminations, institutionally, individually, and community-wise uh, at the various layers and uh there was uh just to give you a bit of history um on the exodus uh in 1978 there was a clearance operations conducted by Myanmar military which let almost um, 135,000 people approximately to 150,000 people uh flee uh, to Bangladesh in 1978 and repatriated back in in, in 1979 uh 80% of them were uh, repatriated back with with the with the, the uh, tripartite involvement such as UNHCR and, and, and others. In 1992, again, same exodus took place, approximately 250 to uh, 40,000, uh, 40 to 50,000 people uh, ran away for, uh, to escape from the prosecutions and, and, and discriminations and, and things like that. And uh, again, 80 to 80% 80 of the people were repatriated back in, in, in 1994 uh, or for 1995 throughout, uh, to 2005. And again, uh, the, the level of the discriminations, divide has been increasing since then, and and and, and there has been a major uh, uh, major conflict that generated by the uh, by the different politically motivating factors in the country in 2012, which led to hundreds Forty thousand people became homeless and internally displaced, and up to now in 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 concentration camp in Central Rakhine State. Followed by that, in uh, uh, sixteen, seventeen seventeen, there is a small armed groups called ARSA who uh, went against uh, the, the the Burmese government and and, and attacked the police uh, uh, post, approximately thirty police posts uh, to fight for inequality and things like that. The justification that they claim, which led to seven hundred to thousand to a million people to bangladesh uh, and many died on the on the way and three hundred plus villages yes, were burned down to ash and many were killed and many arrested many got raped and this u uh, n uh, and other international uh, the, um recognized organization has got like quite significant evidence uh, you can uh, from uh, crimes against humanity to up to genocide. So it's the current situations now it's the very same situations in Rakhine state where approximately uh, five hundred people are still remaining at the risk of genocides and, and, and uh and, and 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 almost a million people in, 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 in Bangladesh in a very congested situations.
0: Well can I ask like how have you personally uh, experienced the discrimination against rohingya people
1: well uh, i was not able to, to to go to pursue my higher education as a result of my religious identity and 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 uh, despite my great grandparents grandparents and my parents are citizens of the country and have have uh, bali citizenship card and have served in the government at the various layer of the government and contributed to these nations. At my age, I was not able to move from one place to another uh, due to the movement restrictions. I did not have the freedom of religious, uh, uh, to pray to exercise my religions and, 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 and I did not have proper access to medical health care until I was uh, 22. Uh, uh, when I moved to manage to move to Yangon and, 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 and uh, uh, get little bit of uh, uh, like rights that i supposed to be getting. so uh, it, it's really like very uh, personal to me that uh, the, the the experience that i i i i, I went through and uh, in my immediate family members are still in the same situations as well
0: and and it's you believe it's just rooted in prejudice and discrimination it is
1: uh, yeah it is rooted in the phobia discriminated and just because that we the way that we pray in, in a different way and the the way that would look like a bit different from physically from the from the rest of the myanmar and there are very other small ethnic groups who speak the same language and who who, who, who believe in Buddhism, and they have all the rights and in and, and and in the same regions and they they are indigenous people treated as and where we used to be indigenous people and we were removed from the Yes, people uh, list and we were, our citizenship has been taken back uh, in 1982 in uh, to 1990. All the citizenship that has been granted has been taken back by the government.
0: So, so we're, we're speaking because I am just very interested in learning in general how one attempts to produce social cohesion and pluralism in a country that has such history of ethnic strife and ethnic conflict, uh, and a very recent history of, of genocide. Um, can you talk about how you founded the center for social integrity and how you, your organization works to reduce discrimination and, and promote pluralism?
1: Sure. Uh, in this, the experience that I had and, 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 uh, my immediate family member has been going through it's, it's, uh, motivate me and, and it's the meaning why I started the center and, uh, I went through so much in my life, uh, uh. Uh, the level of discrimination that I have faced in different level of the society that I was living was very high. It's, it's unbelievable and and and, uh, and what I believe is no youth at my age should go through what I went through and and uh, and Myanmar should be celebrating uh, diversity rather than celebrating racism and promoting hatred and and and, and uh, so I uh, came to Yangon and I studied in Yangon a little bit, and then I worked in Yangon, and then that's led me to uh, internationally work with other organizations in, in Thailand, in in in, in, in Afghanistan, and, and in Liberia and things like that. And I managed to my, uh, uh, myself uh, to gain experience internationally at the humanitarian and development setting, and also managed to study in in Deakin University in Melbourne while I was working. Uh, so that's uh, being a, a Rohingya who did not have those uh, those. Uh, uh, opening windows to be to be uh, building yourself uh, with all the uh, access to education, all the access to work, and and that equipped me with uh, somewhat level of knowledge, skills, and 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 uh, and, and, and and things like the educations. Uh, so I thought at some point when 2016, I supposed to go to Middle East for another mission with one of the organizations that I was working. I came back to Myanmar and I reflect back, and I thought. It will be morally irresponsible, someone like me, from from who you cannot find even one in every hundred thousand within the Rohingya community, if I'm not contributing back to my society something. So I took that moral responsibility as a ground to found, to um, establish these organizations based on the diversity because they all that, uh, the conflict that we are facing, either towards the Rohingya or towards the Kachin or towards Shan or towards. Quran or other ethnic uh, groups, it's based on, on, on differences that we have. And if we're able to tackle the issues that uh, uh, on, on our differences, I think that's where the country will be in the right path to move forward, uh, uh, that the, the nations will be able to take advantage of the diversity uh, to make it cohesive, to make it politically stable and economically developed.
0: And, and so how do you go about doing that? What, what do your programs look like? So we have a couple of different programs
1: in the organizations, and and we have uh, the we, the organization is structured in three divisions. And the first division is conflict and peace, where we target uh, youth uh, and, and, uh, and 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 uh, generation change leader from different uh, ethnicity, uh, different religious, and we uh, the program is called transformational leadership uh program uh, it's sort of a generation change project for us and uh we recruit them uh, uh people that's uh, that's uh, interested in 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 building resilience within within their community uh, believe in universally accepted uh, principles on democracy and human rights and things like that and uh, so the program's uh, is uh, is um, I uh, divided into different, uh, different, uh, different projects, and one of them is transformational leadership project. I was saying, and it target young people to g- become next generations leaders in their communities with the with the values that we teach, like pluralism, diversity, and inclusions. And some of them may believe in these values, but there is no proper interpretations that they can find. What does it mean to be believe in in diversity? And uh, and the program lasts for six months. For example, they get. Uh, they went through intensively. Uh, they go through intensively in, in our course, and they they get at the end of the graduation, they get a small funding from us to to uh, to implement impact project in their respective communities and uh, the other. Uh, so, what that, would like
0: an impact project look like that you guys have have funded at the very very local level? The the very local, the it
1: would be like a. Countering the hate speech and promoting the mis- uh, promoting the love speech among different uh, uh, different uh, community in 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 Rakhine State, for example, and we uh, promote digital literacy. If you look back 2012 onwards today, the Facebook, the role of Facebook and 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 digital illiteracy has been uh, one of the uh, propelling factor uh, on the on the heritage and violence and things like that. And and it's largely contributed to to Burma's uh, situations today when it comes to the crimes against humanity or genocide. Yeah, and, yeah it's and worth so, it's
0: worth sort of uh, like emphasizing the role that Facebook messages and Facebook played in perpetuating the genocide. It was sort of like the the method of communication uh, for promoting hate speech that led to the genocide.
1: Yeah, that's true. That Facebook has played, no doubt, that in a very significant role in 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 in, in promoting those things, uh, that allowing people to promote hatred and and allowing disinformation to be spreaded, and 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 allowing fake news to be spreaded on the, its platform, and that was the uh, one of the. Like major backbone of the of the of the uh, information disseminations to uh, on the community. So our yeah uh, uh, graduates alumni they get a small fund to do the small scale med, uh, media literacy and digital literacy project in the community where a community would be able to have um, identify what does it mean to have fake news and how to how to how to uh, how to counter it at the same time how to promote love speech uh, how to promote uh, uh, concepts that uh, breach the communities so, on the on the social media. And uh, so those are the projects that we uh, we uh, we have. And also we do have the project on meaningful participations of uh, uh, girls and women in decision-taking process, like for example, uh, connecting uh, women peace and security uh, and to develop the participation of the women at the pra- very grassroots level is very limited. So our, uh, our alumni uh, came up with the concept of promoting uh, meaningful participations of the young uh, girls and adolescent girls in the in decision-taking process through literacy. So these are the projects that we fund our, uh, uh, our, young, our, our alumni and, and we are at the stage of uh, also a strategic engagement plan with our alumni. So far we have trained uh, 75 young people uh, through this program from different communities, different uh, uh, different religious, that's include Rohingya, Rakhine, uh, Dinnet, which is another minority, Hindu, and and things like that. So we are going to be continuously engaging, doing uh, their capacity building and equipping them with their with the, with the proper tools and knowledge skills uh, to transform their societies.
0: So I mean, it sounds like kind of get to to get to my initial initial question. That kind of I think is is driving this conversation. Is you know how in such a you know, profoundly diverse country in which that diversity has been a source of conflict. How, how do you inject ideals of of pluralism? And it sounds like you do so, you know, individual by individual at the very local level.
1: Yeah, the thing is, the country of even though it has got the longest civil war and there is like uh, like intense hatred between the rel- different religious uh, groups in a the country, there is also. Uh, invisible interactions, and, and it's a society that interacts and interconnected with the different livelihoods, different, uh, different different economic assets, and different different way there are hidden interactions that the the international organizations may not be able to tackle or may, may not be able to to see them. Uh, so we as local organizations, and our organization is founded with the diverse team, and we have. Uh, project managers and project officers from every ethnic groups in Rakhine State. Uh, and and uh, so we understand the local context and then anyone else. And, and at the same time, we know how history uh, has been misshaped. Like, for example, the country has not been before 70 years in the same situation that it is now. And uh, it was not always fractured. And we need to go back to the history to unlearn the there's some of the misconceptions that the people had, at some point we used to live in peace and harmony and we were able to share our foods and we were able to share our thoughts and things like that. So, And the, at the same time, the globe is becoming a village. It cannot be anymore one community living by itself alone, disconnected to the world. It's not the world anymore like that. So especially targeting the young people who have access to the larger information and uh, enabling them to stand on hope. And and the only hope can enable you to reach uh, to the next level of your life is the way that we are working. And it's extremely challenging, incredibly uh, uh, risky what we are doing, but we are so far so good.
0: So I have to imagine, um, based on, on what you just said, that there are examples in Myanmar, perhaps even in, in Rakhine state of communities or villages that were somehow able to, you know, avoid, um, ethnic clashes and ethnic divisions and were somehow able to enforce a, a sense of, of pluralistic I- identity. Is, is that true? I mean, are there sort of islands of, of resilience? That you've that you've seen over the course of your work
1: yeah uh truly and uh, another uh another uh uh divisions within the organization is the humanitarian and development work that uh, uh, onward from 2017, uh, seventeen august uh for at least for two to three months there were no actor on the ground all the humanitarian organizations including united nations agencies has been kicked out by the Myanmar government
0: from this the was ground. during the genocide yeah
1: y- yeah from uh, onward from 2017 august to 2017 november so we were there with the small scale uh, uh resources on the ground and I, we were not initially designed to do the humanitarian work as an organization to be an organization that founded on the value of pluralism diversity and inclusions so i thought seeing these things my staff we have, i had two staff there at that time on, on the ground that would be again like morally irresponsible if we are not doing anything and so with that we started the small scale humanitarian project distributing uh, uh, hygiene kits and food kits for the for the refugee uh, for for the people that are stuck in between the fighting of the of the of the armed opposition groups or or, or 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 militias or or or, or the myanmar army and uh, we scaled very small scale uh, distribution system very well uh, where we uh, we use Local Buddhist supplier uh, to bring halfway goods through to the Muslim villages where Muslims are stuck. stuck and Muslim came halfway through, and, and 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 it's tremendously difficult at that time. It was, and we managed, and the model worked very well. So I introduced the model uh, to the to the like this is something that's going to work at the larger scales, and I approached the different donors, and they funded us. Uh, uh so we do did uh, uh, we are still doing a larger scale uh, project on, on, on distribution uh, uh distributing uh, first aid humanitarian assistance to the to the uh to the people irrespective uh, of research religion. And, so, uh, so, just just
0: just, just to, to to stop you there, that's interesting. So, you're saying that you deliberately um, included sort of a diversity of ethnicities in the provision of humanitarian aid when uh, you are one of the very few organizations providing humanitarian aid in in Rakhine State.
1: Well, uh, uh, it's true. As well as we are an organization that extremely uh, stand on the uh, on, on the values of impartiality and and uh, and 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 uh, neutrality and, and, and uh accountability and we when we do the work and we, we do not discriminate based on religious and ethnicity and that's something that we are trying to fight against. So uh, depending on the need of course we'll uh, serve whoever it is regardless of their race, color, gender orientations or or beliefs and uh, or, or culture and things like that. Uh, but what 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 is striking here is that uh, the, that's while uh, uh, introducing this model at the smaller scale from a larger scale, we got multiple challenges to source, especially when it's come to the supply chain uh, to find the uh, appropriate goods because all the banks were closed there, and and we cannot really purchase things on the ground. And uh, but we managed through a different uh, network that we had uh, to to source at the capital level and to ensure the good goods are, are going. That's uh, like the way that we came to know is like you cannot go and talk about pluralistic society, the idea of uh, the concept of the pluralism or the diversity or inclusions in, in, a, in, a, in a society where there's a society community itself individually are uh, uh, fighting against the survival in, in terms of its biological needs or physical needs. And your uh, approach of the diversity or peaceful coexistence will not be appreciated. So what we did is we did not talk about diversity and things like that at that stage. What we did was we brought water, we brought medicines, and we brought food. We had med- mobile medical doctors going around and treating patients. And that enabled us uh, uh, like to learn the hidden ties between the different communities. We, uh, we came to know there are a lot of untold stories during the crisis, how these people help each other to... Uh, to to be protected, uh, communicating uh, with the uh, with the information. So okay, today these are these things are happening in our village, uh, in in Rakhine village. And information session is going on to attack a Muslim village and Rakhine. Some of the Rakhine who has the friend in the Muslim village where uh, they informed how they protected and, and 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 guides to be escaping from. So a bias Russia in the Muslim villages that we came to lo- learn that Muslim how Muslim helped. Uh, during the how civilian help like each other to be protected in this armed conflict. Uh, that enabled us to 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 study to conduct a, a study uh, the invisible tie between the communities in Rakhine State, uh, in northern Rakhine State especially especially targeting those communities where communities still manage to live in a mixed villages and mixed uh, village tracks. And uh, we we did a, a, a study and we released a, a report which is semi public document. And that enabled us to design a project called Community-Based Reconciliation and Dialogue, targeting the communities that managed to live together and, and empowering them to be, to be coming to a dialogue circle and, and building religions and prevent violence and, 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 and things like that. So, uh, mm-hmm.
0: well, well, what did you learn about how it was that those communities, those diverse communities, were able to, to make it through and, and live together?
1: Well, the 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 for example, the Hindu community uh, they exclusively does the blacksmith and 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 the hair or hairdressing uh, business, and they are very small minority. That's what their area of expertise, and they don't do anything else. And for example, their shops locate in Muslim villages because most ninety ninety percent of their customers are Muslims. Those are in the Muslim market. If they are not able to open their shops, their uh, fire in the kitchen will not go, uh, go on, and they will not be able to cook things and, and things yeah. like that. So there is this consciousness of the livelihood interdependency to one Same for the Muslim. Muslim does mostly, some of Muslim does fishing, or kind does the agricultural thing. They are exchange of the goods platform in the market to local level. And, and, and these are the, 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 the triggering point that we, we found a strategically located to promote the concept of pluralism.
0: So it's when there's sort of economic interdependence between the ethnic groups, that's when the levels of intercommunal violence are, are reduced.
1: Uh, that's very true, because it, it's, uh, uh, as the nature of human being, we uh, we like win. Like we like to gain gaining something things if we are benefiting from someone, of course we try to keep it on in a different means that we have, and uh, we don't want to lose. Uh, so I think that's that's there still, but at a very small scale. And uh, all the propaganda and hatred that was going around, and 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 uh, it has been undermined by all this propaganda, misinformation, disinformation, and things like that. But what I hope from someone from the very community uh, there. And who is working on these issues for the last three years? Uh, I think there is a great hope that we can shape this. Uh, we can enable the community to shape their future toward uh, to the betterness.
0: So, so can I ask then, like, how do you know if you are being successful in promoting values of inclusion and pluralism? Like, how do you measure success, say, at like the local level, but also like nationally and at, at, at the national level? Like, how do you know um, if a country is becoming more plural?
1: Uh, promoting pluralism is a process for me and it's not a there's no uh, quick fix solutions and it's a time-consuming process and it's effort-taking process but you, what you can see is uh, impacts in, in the different level at the very individual level you, you need to start from and our transformational leadership project where we talk about youth for example some of the youth were very radicalized when we t- recruited them and uh, they, they were full of hatred full of discrimination and there were a lot of misconceptions. And through the program, they 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 they, they came to understand what does it mean to uh, to be a human. does the identity means, and 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 who gives you this identity? What does it mean to be a tolerant human being? What does it 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 mean uh, to be living together? And 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 so this concept, uh, uh, I think, uh, transformed their their inner thought that the the misconception. For example, we have in the programs we have. Uh, uh, cultural uh, uh, and religious dialogue, where we bring them to mosque uh, and have a, di- a dialogue circle with the mullahs there. And uh, initially, some of the participants, that uh, Buddhist participant, for example, thought that most mosque is full of weapons there, and and, and there is a lot of harmful things that hidden there. Or and, and when we allow them to, when we facilitate them for them to come and enter a mosque and to see, interact with their mullah and and their uh, Prejudices uh, and, and and misconceptions in in, in the in the, in the uh, to, or to the Islam is significantly reduced and even disappeared to somewhat level. And I would say, and these are individual impact that you can see as a result of our program. When individuals are changed with the influence in their community, they can do the larger change in their in in, in, in their community. Those are the impact as well as like in, in, we have built that so far, uh, four community learning center like concrete structure. 40 by 40, which is equipped with the computer and it's also a platform for community to come for dialogue. And the first time we can bring Mullah, uh, a, a religious leader of Muslims, uh, sitting next to a, a Buddhist monk and, and next to a woman leader and next to a, a, a traditional leader, talking about collectiveness and we-consciousness and through a facilitated dialogue. These are the change that we can see that at the very ground that people will not think, oh, these people change each other so uh, like uh, hate so much each other's and, and there is no way that we can fix this thing. But of course it's 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 a process, it's not a result that we need to continuously work on and and, 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 and it is happening in, in the in the in the grassroot level and and, and uh, the mindsets and attitude behavior of the peoples matter when we are trying to impose larger change.
0: Well, it's you know one of the most important jobs in the world. If you can crack that code in in Myanmar the, about the process and what works, you know it, it can work anywhere. I think.
1: So more importantly, there are uh, there there is when it's come to the social cohesion and pluralistic society and pluralisms, and in, in Myanmar there is horizontal challenge and horizontal approach. Community to community, individual to individual, and also there are vertical uh, challenge and vertical restrictions, and and, and states to individual, states to communities, and there is a lot of uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, like uh, discriminatory act, laws, and and, and 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 standard operating procedures, policies uh, that's uh, exclude society, that's promote hatred, and that's uh, that's uh, puts restrictions on the religious freedom, and that puts restrictions on the on, on on the on the marriage of, of of the Muslim and that's put restrictions on the on the children's uh, like birth controls and things like that. Uh, so uh, there is a lot as well at the policy level that we have to work but these two things need to be tackled in a harmonized way where you advocate and, and educate uh, the larger change maker at the policy level. At the same time what we are trying to do is create change. Uh, on, on the ground to make community uh, co- uh, coming together to advocate for their own change that Im- impact their own life.
0: Well, well, thank you so much for your time. And, and more importantly, thank you so much for, for your work. You're most welcome. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Onk ja Mo. And uh, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, please do send me an email. I love hearing from you. You can go to the contact form on globaldispatchespodcast.com and get in touch with me. I love, love hearing from you. I always read and respond to any email that comes my way. Thank you in advance. All right, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.